Hello, and welcome to the Morning Bell podcast, where we interview authors, discuss writing-related topics, and talk about the writing process as a whole. If you want any more information about the Morning Bell and what it is, look up themorningbell.net. If you have any questions or suggestions for topics that you'd like to see discussed, email the co-editor of the Morning Bell, Kezia Lebanski, at the email address kezia at themorningbell.net. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome to the Morning Bell Podcast. My name is Joel Martin, and thank you for joining us today online. I hope you're looking forward to this one, because I certainly am. As to what I've been doing, let's immediately skip that, because as usual, I've done nothing of note. Actually, that's not true, but before we come to me, let's talk to my co-host, Luke Manley. Thank you for coming along today. Uh, thanks for having me, as usual. Yep. yep. I mean, it's sort of your job. Yeah, it's not really it's, having It's me, not it? really. Uh, it's no thank you needed. Um, <laughs> you, you're just here. How have you been, Luke? What have you been up to? I'm still alive. Actually, part of what I've been doing is related to what you've been doing. So That's yes, certainly true. Um, editing projects. That's I'll, right. I'll leave that um, description to you, though, in case you have got something to hype it up. But <laughs> Yeah, um, that's no right. No spoilers here. It was just editing work. Good yep. editing work. I hope it's good editing work. <laughs> Better be good editing work. <laughs> um, but anything interesting this week? Gone anywhere special? Uh, yeah, well, you keep bringing up this traveling thing. And I That's was right. Over, over got... in uh, Hull's Gap for the for the weekend. Mm-hmm. Hang on, was that weekend? Yeah, weekend passed, so that yep. was very nice. Yeah, I, you, you told me where you're going, and then I was like, well, Luke, are you going to be back for the podcast? <laughs> You're just going to abandon me again. Yeah, but you didn't. Don't, you considered don't it, though. Don't manage you that often. Yeah, that, that's... Well, <laughs> uh, maybe. Prior notice. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. All well, those, yeah. today, as usual, we have a guest on the podcast, and today's guest is Flo Ferris. Now, Flo has spent the first 17 years of her life growing up on a farm in uh, Patchwallock. That's great. There yeah. you go. I got it. Northwest Victoria. She then moved 20 times in 20 years. During this time, Fleur sometimes saw the darker sides of life while working to a number of years, for a number of years as a police officer and a paramedic. She now lives a more subtle lifestyle on a nice or on a rice farm, though rice farms can be nice, Fleur, <laughs> uh, in southern New South Wales with a husband and three young children. Fleur's colorful and diverse background has given her unique insight into de- today's society and an endless pool of experiences to draw from. Risk is Fleur's first novel, for young adults. Thank you very much for being on the podcast, Flo. Thank you for having me. So how's your week been? I've had a busy week. Yeah? Um, it started off, I had a author talk at the Campaspe Library mm-hmm. with another writer named Adam Besson, yep. who wrote a book called My Unforgettable Year. Um, so that was good. And aside from that, I've just been editing a mm-hmm. manuscript that's coming out next year. Okay. So it's keeping me very busy. Mm. So no spoilers on that one? Or? Not yet. They, uh, hush, 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 I've only good. got a, um, a working title, so I can't even tell you what the real title's going to be right. yet. Right, okay. So, Stay um, tuned. Can I can say it title? is a, uh, Sorry? Can we have the working title? Yes, the working title is Black. Interesting. Oh, okay, yeah. And that's because the uh, the lead, <laughs> the girl in the book, is, her name is Ebony, and her nickname is Black. Yeah, okay. So, Very cool. Hmm. Um, well, it certainly sounds like you've caught the writing bug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not doing much else at the moment. <laughs> Good to hear. So the, how's that like, transitioning to that? Did you think you were going to I've been start off on another? Oh, start off on another book? Yeah. I'd already written it. All oh, right. So um, okay. 
Risk wasn't my first book. It was my sixth. Right, okay. So, um, and the next one, um, Black, is number seven. And I've, no, I've already, I've written another one after that, which is for middle grade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this is the one after that. So it's number eight. So the real question is, you've always had the writing bug. Yeah, I've been writing for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's always interesting, isn't it, that, um, you know, when we hear an author's, like, an author's debut novel, it yeah, it's debut not, and publishing only. That's right. Often. Well, for me, it was. Yes. Yeah. How many have you pitched to publishers? That's the question. Actually, there was only one before that, and I pitched it to an agent and was signed from that book. Mm-hmm. So, and then that book was sent out to five publishers, and I got four rejections, and my current publisher said, I really like that book. I like the style of the writing, but there's some issues with it. Would she be able to edit it and mm. resubmit? So, of course, I wanted to be published by yeah. Random House. So, of course, I said, yes, I'll edit it and send it back in. And by that stage, I'd written Risk. So when I sent it back in, I sent Risk as well. Mm. And they read Risk and just signed Risk yeah. and said, let's look at the other one yeah. later. Yeah. So, um, And in the meantime, I've written another one, which is what I call Black, and they've gone, you know what, let's just go with black next and we'll look at, re- we'll look at the other one later. Yeah. So um, I think each novel, I'd, you get better at it yep. and course, there's less yeah. problems mm. and easier to edit and put mm-hmm. forward and get it onto the shelves. So. You mentioned you, you um, went through that at the first submission before you sent in Risk as well. So were you therefore disappointed that they picked up Risk instead? No, I wasn't because I thought Risk was the better book. Okay, yep. And um, I just want I, when it went out, I was really nervous, and I was really pleased that it was risk and not the other one, because if it's not as good, it's going to get more criticism. It's not going to rate yeah, as high, yeah, and yeah. Um, it could fizz out. Yeah, and that yep. could be the start of your career is just you've put a fizzed yeah. out, of, you know, on the first book. Mm-hmm. So I was really pleased that that it was the stronger book mm-hmm. uh, when it came to getting it out there. I'm mm. really fond of that book, though, because it did get me an agent. And um, but if that's the only function of that one, then it's it's worth writing it's, it. Yeah, it's done served its, its job, purpose yeah. for sure. Yeah, it got me into the publishing field. So it's it's really interesting um, that you say that you get better as you go along, and you you understand the tricks and the techniques and how you work out in your own mind. Uh, to sort of be segueing from that, that's what I've been doing uh, for the last week. It's just been been editing and with Luke uh, on one of my uh, on one of my novellas it's an interesting idea and it's taking a very few um, minutes to talk about this because it's not really about mine as much as it is about the idea of mm. flashback sequences now flashback sequences uh, they can be used really well and some books are just a flashback sequence for the most part and some of it works fantastically and other times, flashback sequences can be the nails in the coffin in your book because it feels <laughs> like you're breaking the flow of the narrative and yeah. you're messing around in characters' heads when you could mess around with them in a natural progression. And that's what I've been dealing with uh, with this new novella that I've uh, that I published out. Um, and it it was interesting because it was. Uh, in in many ways, the novella is about memory and regret and that entire process. So therefore, flashback seems to be a natural way to show that. At the same time, 
you want to make sure that you're not portraying it like a dream at the same time because yeah. dreams they're never lucid you know you never have a a dream that is exactly what you remember because that doesn't usually happen it's always a distorted memory or something like that hmm. and in many ways it's a it's a writing technique so yeah flashbacks have been difficult for me to manage definitely yeah. and because i've always used them but never used them to such a extent where both these characters are consistently you know introspective yeah and that's it's a fun challenge i I think it's very enjoyable but it can also go wrong very quickly yeah as well Mm. and lose track um but yeah uh, both of you are writers i'm sure both of you have used flashbacks before how have you found them yeah i have more snippets yeah because um well with with risk for instance it's Mm -hmm. in first person and you find out everything that she finds out at the time. Yep. And it's very – and that's what I wanted from that book. Immediacy, so, yeah. Yeah. So when I've had to put flashbacks, it's it had to be for a reason and it couldn't be too long. Yep. Otherwise, it would take away and take that momentum away. Yep, exactly. Um, but it had to also be included just to pack a punch mm-hmm. of what's happened so that um, when something happened – so in my book – um, her friend Sierra goes missing. Um, it was important for the for the reader to know that she's done it before, which is why they're not yeah. um, calling police and, and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. So, um, and it's so that you don't dislike the the main character because she's got a good reason not to believe to not believe that she's mm. in trouble. So, but I I write very um, non detailed. Mm-hmm on my first draft and my the the later drafts get bigger whereas a lot of writers do it the other way yep. and and there's a huge flashbacks and there's huge yeah. description and, and it's all cut down all, yeah. yeah um the editing notes in mine were from my editors uh more detail more detail um <laughs> so it's so yeah, i, ne- I don't tend more, to go yeah. off on a tangent yep. if anything they're like yes i need to know more about that it's mm. limited information, yeah. Yeah, Luke, uh, me. I've actually had uh, two different approaches to it. I can't really call myself very qualified for this because all my stuff self-published. But um, mm. uh, one of the first times I remember doing uh, well, you qualified as any other. It's yeah, a, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the first um, times I used flashbacks was in uh, probably the first one I actually put online. And that was very related to the character, but it was also his um, mental state. So it was like it was punctuating his mental um, um, depreciation. Is that the right word? Decline. Um, decline. Yeah. Um, and also punctuating sort of the the way that he was overcoming it or or going through the stages. So it would, he would flash back to something, and it would suddenly click. Um, yeah. It wouldn't always click. Later on, it was more clicking. It was bringing up the speed of the the piece, the speed of his uh, recovery or decline or both combined. Um, In my later work, well, I just avoided it by making it a diary. um, (laughs) Yeah. A diary book. And so that you can you can play with a lot of memories in diary That's true. form without it actually being it, an active flashback. It can it doesn't have to be an active flashback. It, it works naturally because the characters or whatever he's writing down, it can suddenly reflect on something and he can go into detail about it. Yep. And yeah. and go from there. So that's that's the other way I've dealt with it. Um, 
I don't think I use a lot of mm. flashbacks, generally speaking. It yeah. was only that, like in diary form, it's so natural that you can just thread it through. But I, th- I think most of my writing now is very like active and looking forward mm. with characters. Because well, I'm not a big fan of the flashbacks yeah, the fla- in, in flashbacks, general. They're very... Um, uh, I think I like it when it's used less. Like, especially in Risk, there was very few flashbacks. It's only pretty yeah. much only one or two, I believe. Um, which mm. was necessary for few the story. Memories, yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, rather memories rather than like very strong extended flashback sequences. And I think playing around with flashbacks is dangerous, but I think it can also pay off. It, it really depends yeah. on how you write the story. But I think if they're threaded in, they need to be necessary. Exactly. And they yeah. need to be good. Like, and, the author, and the reader needs to feel like this is part of the narrative. Mm. If at any point... Why is this here? If like, he just thinks it's there just to because you know the yeah, author wanted to add good some story. flavor. Yeah, then it's, it's like, look how impressive <laughs> this author is. <laughs> <laughs> then you know they they turn off, I turn off. So yeah, that's been interesting working through flashbacks, and I guess we'll find out what happens in episode three when I cut flashbacks <laughs> altogether. Um, but so far, been quite enjoyable. Well, that's what we've been doing this week. Why don't we move into film, TV? And theater, because I think Luke is going to bring up something that has some uh, show that I have problems with flashbacks. Oh, so Luke, why yes, don't we possibly segue remember, straight into that? Can't remember the title of that. Now, yes, the bastard ex- executioner. That's the one you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> the problem is, I got to find a way to start talking about it. Um, yeah, it's such an it's such a disappointment, to be honest. Because that's a great way to start off a uh, topic. <laughs> I like to start out positive, but it's very sad. The the it, it starts with a very 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 strong idea and character and setup. What is the name drops. of it? The tram was going past as oh, you said it, and I missed it. <laughs> sorry, the the bastard executioner. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's right. by the uh, writer Medi- that did uh, Sons of Anarchy. Uh-huh. What's his name? I don't recall. Kurt Sutter, I that's think, is one. his name, and uh, he. He got pretty well um, uh, good reviews and stuff of Sons of Anarchy, and it was very popular. Not a show that I particularly um, Mm. enjoy very much, but a lot of people did, and then he's trying his hand at medieval uh, fiction. Yeah, medieval fiction, but a great setup. It's a a knight who's renowned for it. Well, he's renowned because he's he's very skilled, and he's um, part of... uh, I can't remember the exact... I'm trying to think of the right... Yeah, he's he's part of a king's personal guard, Mm -hmm. So it's it's a great setup for a character because the that situation's in the past. He, the the battle was lost, and he was like one of the only survivors. Which he was set up by his own commander. Yep. Um, it's all a great setup for a character. Great setup for a situation, and then it dies immediately because nothing happens. Nothing. Mm. Nothing. Well, sorry, something does happen, but it doesn't seem connected. interesting enough. Yeah, or connected. Yeah. Interesting enough, or connected enough, and then from then on. He's a stale character. He doesn't change. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. Um, there's so much potential in the setup and everything, and it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that that was um, my experience with uh, with what I was hoping to be a great new medieval venture in um, in fiction, but mm. uh, it didn't didn't go anywhere. So let me take some heavy handed uh, sword blows to this TV <laughs> show. <laughs> Straight off the bat, I think I think we've gotten to this stage where people are enjoying pretty well-developed TV um, these days. Um, we don't have a lot of stuff that is... Well, we do, but 
the idea is that when you produce something that is different or new or whatever, it has to really capture your audience. I and I and I'm I'm my, I'm boggled. I'm boggled. I love that word. Um, <laughs> by how uninteresting the premise of this is. I don't doubt he's a very good writer, but I feel like I don't know. I feel something's missing with this show. Uh, with with this character, Wilkin Brattle is his name. Oh, Brittle, Br- Brattle, yeah. Um, and uh, you have a setting like Wales, a setting that I love to bits, uh, one, to start off with. Uh, you have this idea of the Welsh Rebellion, which for some reason in history never really ended um, throughout most of uh, medieval history. And the idea is that Longshanks comes in, he takes over for the most part and crushes any what's left of the rebellion and then there's leftover stragglers and you have this undercurrent of rebellion in the area you've got this nice potent mix of the aristocracy of this english aristocracy that's against uh, you know the common welsh people and all these really nice motifs and themes and everything going on and yet you have a setting that's so rich and yet you decide to just make the setting as well as bland as possible because it feels very unconnected to Wales. Like you could set this story anywhere else and it would make as much sense as it does in this. You almost think it's fantasy when you watch it. You're like, There's exactly. No setting here. It's not connected. We don't know who's doing what or yep. why. Yeah. Um, there doesn't seem to lot. be any impact. It's just a regular lords and peasant situation. It's... Yeah. What, and, what is it? <laughs> and and I, I think it sounds very harsh for us to say, but it it really is a show that um, has problems in its storytelling, like, immediately. And uh, I thought, like, you know, it has a slow start, but it might get going. There's a uh, there's problems with the actual writing quality as well, which is really harsh, mm. uh, but it's true. Um, we were talking about flashback sequences, and this suffers from flashback syndrome. Uh <laughs> It loves to show Wilkin Brattle in stages of delirium for some reason, even though why is he having these visions? Is it supernatural? You have a supernatural undercurrent in the in the show. Um, and, and you get the fact that he's, for some reason, part of a grander scheme of something. So, yeah. uh, and, and that is very mixed. And you, you have a sense that he's not going anywhere. There's no progression. His... His actions are getting worse, but that's it. And and the show constantly stops and starts. Like, okay, we'll stop that. Let's start again. Let's stop that. Let's start again. So you mm-hmm. never feel like you're invested in the character's journey. So is this a series? This is a series. Right. Mm. And, uh, and, <laughs> and apparently the, some people really enjoy this. Other people have been panning this to high heaven. Uh, one particularly egregious problem I have is the on-the-nose references when you have... Uh, so the character of Wilkin Brattle is is an imposter, basically, for an executioner, hence the title. And you have a scene where he is sitting down uh, with uh, the Baroness, whose name is Lady Love. And yes, his name is Love. Uh, and that is very funny when it comes to puns in this world, apparently. Um, atrociously Mark, Mark so. The apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, you have her and you have him sitting down opposite each other and then... She looks at him and says, do you ever feel like you're living the life of somebody else? We all, we all get the idea. And then he looks so shocked and he's like, 
yes, I do. And it's just this kind of ham-fisted <laughs> dialogue very, that yeah. permeates the entire show. And a very strange scene with him and her in the chapel or the church. Uh, when it, you know he's attracted to her and they're, they're trying to build this up for some reason. Even though you know, like immediately, there is no sense of um, countering a cliche or anything here. This is just very obvious. And then he's, uh, why thank you, my love. And then you just hear the largest face palm from me. Listen, he's like, no, no one would say that. You, you know what you're saying. Uh, dear. I think I've not had a stronger reaction to a TV show in a, in a very long time. So you won't be watching this whole series then? <laughs> the thing is, I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, you've got to see like, if it's going to get I've got to see if it, it gets, gets anywhere, yeah. Because I have mm. seen shows which, which start off horribly and then get really amazing. But yeah, this one so far is just getting worse and worse. So it's possible that um, Kurt Sutter's writing gets worse as it goes instead of getting better. Maybe Sons of Anarchy was better. Exactly. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, <laughs> I haven't watched a, it myself. It's a different so. setting. And, and, I, and, and to a certain extent, I feel like he... he um, he was in his element there. He maybe? was in his element. Yeah. And I feel like with this, it's just, it's breaking his mojo. So did he have the same sort of puns and setups or was better writing? Well, not like, not like this. Uh, <laughs> also, also, the idea is that people are like, oh, you know, the Bastard Executioner is as violent as Sons of Anarchy, so they must be the same. No. It, the writer has just a style which is quite violent. That doesn't mean that, you know, they're the same show at all. But, um, wow, it's, uh, it's quite bad. But that's that's what I've uh, I've been watching along with Luke, um, and I I would like to point out a show that I am interested in following and will uh, come back to at a certain stage is The Last Kingdom, which is a show that I think starts off a lot better. It, it's by the writer Bernard Cornwall, uh, his Saxon Tales, mm. and now Bernard Cornwall is probably one of the most interesting historical fiction writers to me, yeah. anyway, because I think he gets setting and he gets. Uh, how to use setting in his work, and it's layered upon layered in his story. So, and so far the TV show seems to be um, going that route. But Luke, any other TV I know, shows? Pass on to Fleur. You're good. Alrighty. Well, I'm working toward a deadline, so I haven't been watching much TV. That's actually a good, good for you. Yeah, that's good for you. <laughs> the only thing I've seen this week is Pearl Harbor. <laughs> oh, that's uh, old but, and uh, um, classic. Yeah, it is an old. It was it was on the other night. I didn't realize how long that movie was. Yep, but <laughs> it are. went until midnight. War films are quite long. I've noticed. And um, and I watched it because of the love story in that in that show. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it's the old love triangle that uh, is getting a little bit canned at the moment. So people are saying that they're sick of love triangles. Yeah, but it was the perfect. No one was the villain. And it was just tragic. Yep. So um, it was interesting to watch. Um, in my work in progress that I'm editing now, I've got a love triangle. Mm-hmm. And so I was I was having to write a love scene the next day. So it was good to see how they did it yeah. and how they shaped those characters. Because so, mm-hmm. in mine, uh, no one's a villain either. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, it's just the circumstances that make you... Yeah. That's that's that, always yeah. hard, isn't it? Like in in writing, especially to to not take sides. Yeah, because it's, it's a delicate almost inevitable to, for a writer to mm. have a bias one way or the other, right? Because we're human, and mm. you know that's uh, we're an angelic being that has complete and utter um, objectivity. It's, it's got to make sense, though. I think to please the reader or the viewer mm-hmm. that because in this one she ended up with the love of her life. Yeah. So she so he died. 
she thought he died. She got notice that he died. So then she ended up with the friend or mm-hmm. the brother or whoever that yeah. other guy was. And and then the other guy turned up and he was back. Mm. He wasn't dead. But she was now pregnant with the other one's yeah. baby. And yeah. it just went out. And then the father of the baby died, really did die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she ended up with the true love. Um, and because he was the friend, he was being the perfect yeah. person and took yep. that child as mm-hmm. his own sort of thing. So yeah. everybody was wonderful, you know, in yeah. that. It's almost like a, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, it's almost like a version of, I guess, the Count of Monte Cristo's idea, that idea of that initial love triangle that sort of goes wrong, but works out. Well, not in the books anyway, the, the book ends kind, kind of sad, but <laughs> tragically. Um, but, but that is a book that I always point to as a love triangle that's, uh, I find quite compelling because it ends tragically. It it ends. In yeah, a, but in she still ended up with the true, the true love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. which is more satisfying than if she'd been with the other guy. Yeah, yeah. And always wished she was with. Yeah, with the other but, one. <laughs> I think that's why when uh, people watch um, the Count of Monte Cristo, the adaptations of that, and they're like, "Oh, that ended so well," and then they read the book and then they realize that uh, the main character just legitimately goes up and says you know this was never going to work and then he just leaves and that's pretty much the end of the story you're like well <laughs> classic writers didn't pull any punches that's for sure but um yeah so I, pearl hubble was that uh revisitation or revelation first time or you'd seen it before i had seen it before and but i had forgotten that part of it or uh, maybe yeah. i wasn't mm-hmm. focused on that because i wasn't writing about that or something yep. i um i still did not change it when yeah you're i writing, didn't know yeah. who she ended up with um, of course, I knew the historical events mm. that yeah. happened. So, but the minutia and the yeah, how the they how they story. built that in, and also, it was um, very well done how they put those historical events mm-hmm. um, and wrapped those characters around those events to give it meaning. Yeah, and mm-hmm. to and to show the impact that that did have on the people living in that time, on individuals. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, the, very clever to the way they did it. I think, and I think. You just head on the the uh, the point that I was making with the with the bastard execution as well. That's how you pull setting into a historical setting yes. into fiction. Yes, and and mm. you have to do that to make your fiction uh, compelling yeah. because or else you could just you know. Oh, it's a documentary. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or it could just be fiction, and then no historical fact uh, yeah. needed mm. to to impact the story. But um, oh, that's very interesting. Um, so here's a revelation for people uh, who have been following the podcast for a while now and know that I don't watch Star Wars because, well, I've never gotten around to it for the most part. So over the, the period of a year to two years, Luke, uh, obviously, and uh, the editor of The Morning Bell, Lucas DeQuinzio, has been badgering me to watch <laughs> Star Wars. And uh, I finally caved in and I thought, well... Everybody already knows the story of Star Wars, right? Like, everybody knows the story without even watching the movie. So it's not like I had any spoilers in store. So I was like, okay, I've got an idea. I will watch it the way the story progressed naturally. So I'll watch episode one, two, and three, and then go through the series that way. So I started on episode one. And I finished episode one, and I haven't continued. And I... This is uh, Are this you the disappointed? First, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing sadness in your eyes. Maybe a, a bit, tear or but... two. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the story in my opinion. Like I, I think it's a fairly 
good film. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I don't know. At, at this stage, it's just not interesting enough for me. Yeah. Uh, I think, y- yes, I, I, I'd have to hold on to that because I say, and I think this is a completely different thing. And people say like, oh, Lord of the Rings is the same if you had read the book. So watch the movies then <laughs> when you're this old. I don't think so. Because I still consider the writing and, and the stuff in Lord of the Rings to be such a high caliber that today I can still go back to it and say that is a master storyteller. Whereas, obviously, people are going to say, why, Joel, did you start on the prequels instead of watching the oh, original? Oh, no, 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 I push you to start with the prequels. Yeah, yeah. So I, I started with them, and I'm unfortunately not impressed enough to continue. But... Fair play to me, I think, uh, to the audience and Luke and Lucas. I did try. I completed it. Yes. And, yep. Now, 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 here's my thing. You have watched The Bastard Executioner all the way through. No, Now you can go with Star Wars all the way through. Uh, No, because it's been been your days watching things you don't like. Exactly, because that seems like a good life choice. Way to happiness. No, I think I've got enough things that I don't like that I do already. Um, but I tried. And I think if the second one was somehow on somebody's house, then I would watch it or whatever. I'm not against it. But I'm certainly not a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm sorry to all those people that have now tuned out to the out of the podcast. Don't worry, guys. I'm still here and I like Star Wars. Yes, so. yes. Luke's got so you we'll, back. Yeah. Yep, yep. I'm still here. All righty. Well, I'm subbing, but I'm still here. <laughs> Don't cry, Luke. Were you Don't named cry. after Luke Skywalker? Oh wow! Well, my I dad never likes even it. My dad. About that. <laughs> <laughs> <A good one. laughs> my dad likes to think so. It was my mum's nightmare. As soon as he told her, yeah, <laughs> was that's like, yes. Now we've got Luke Skywalker. And he's like, oh. <laughs> she was like, no. Oh. Wow, I don't think I can ever say your name the same way again. Fleur, what have you done? <laughs> uh, n- nevertheless, see now you have to watch the rest of them. Yeah, to no. see why the reference is there. I'm not that interested. <laughs> Uh, as much as I like you, I'm not that interested. Uh, so let's move on from this tomfoolery to an actual important and interesting topic that I'm hmm. quite interested in hearing from Fleur. And that is all about risk for the most part. Now, now a problem with a title like risk is when you're interviewing the author, you have to not ask questions like, what was the risk in doing a story like this? Uh, there's a million <laughs> puns that I know Luke is probably... Also, don't, con- don't confuse it with the board game. Yeah. It is a book. Oh, dear. This is what you get, Flo. You should have done this. <laughs> um, but no. Uh, seriously, though, the, and, and the, one of the reasons why I asked Flo to, to come on and talk is because I'm interested in seeing um, a piece of fiction, for the most part, but it could happen on a TV screen anywhere today. And it's a very topical subject matter. Um, and in your own personal history, like, would yeah. you say that that has anything to do with it? Oh, absolutely. It, the reason I wrote this story mm-hmm. was because a friend of mine, um, her daughter met a guy online and was going to meet him. Mm-hmm. And they exchanged explicit photos. Yeah. And the mum saw these photos and said, the guy was meant to be 17. Mm-hmm. And she said, that guy is not 17. He is much older. So she yeah. rang the guy. And when he realised it was the mum and not the girl, he hung up. The phone was disconnected and they couldn't trace who it was. They couldn't trace wow. um, where, like the sites that they had mm-hmm. got onto, they realised that he was using a proxy identity. And mm. she came to me because I had a history 
in police work and I worked in the sex offence mm-hmm. unit and so I had – she thought I'd be able to help her. But I didn't. I, did, I was beyond uh, – you know, when I worked there, the predators still had to leave the home That's and right. go and find their victims because people weren't online yep. in the same way that they are today. Yeah. So I really didn't know what to say to her and how to help her. Mm. So I started looking into it and to see how a predator would use the internet like this to find people. And um, social media is the perfect – like we, there's photos of us, there's information about us, um, our pets' names, mm. siblings, where we live, where we go to school. Everything is there if somebody wants to look into it. Yep. So in the next couple of weeks, um, a couple of incidents happened in my area where the girl, they weren't so lucky. They actually did go and meet the guy that they had met and he turned out to be not the person that they thought mm. and an offence was committed, mm. a sexual offence was, yeah. was committed. And so they were in the paper and, of course, being um, classified as children um, or categorised as children... There's no no names. It's all very hush-hush. Yep. So you can't give out information like that. So the media coverage is very limited. Yep. Um, yet when I started looking around um, at, and Googling information from different papers, local areas, smaller communities, it seemed to be an Australia-wide thing and mm-hmm. an international problem. Mm. And by this stage... Um, a, a plot had started in my head about this, or characters actually came to me first because I had nieces who are of the same age yep. of these so the victims. Home. Yeah. yeah. And so that's where it started. And um, so when you say it could be, it could happen today, well, it, that's because it is happening mm. today. And my police background probably gave um, a realistic um, insight into that procedure too when, when something's reported. Mm-hmm. So... And that was um, checked by current uh, serving members of the police force mm-hmm. to make sure that I had all those facts correct yeah. and the procedures correct for the time that it was yep. printed, yep. that yep. it changes, departments change. So um, it was important to get every detail as realistic as possible mm-hmm. in that. With with a... You know, um, with this sort of circumstance and this sort of crime that's being committed, did you ever think that, um, you know, for most fiction writers, and we're always told, you know, uh, don't preach to people, you know, just just give them a story and, you know, tell, uh, and entertain them or interest them or um, show them something that they might not have seen before. With this story, did you ever think to yourself, like, oh, I wonder if people might think that, you know, I'm trying to make a statement or this is a bad idea did that ever cross your mind? It didn't. Mm. It didn't. I I didn't mean to make an issue of it. I just had a story and I wanted to tell that story the best way that I thought, you know, the best way that I could tell it. And so mm. I just started writing and I had huge momentum and I wrote the first draft of that in 35 days. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so I just basically started and didn't stop. And I didn't, honestly didn't think about that. There was feedback um, on the the book I wrote before it, um, and they said, "Oh, it's this. It's a little bit preachy in places." And so I'm like, "Okay, well, I'm not going to make it the next one about anything. You know, I just want to tell a good a good story." Yeah. And um, so all those issues are actually drawn out of it later. Mm. 
I didn't mean to make a point. Mm. Um, of course, everyone means to make a point, but do you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like I didn't yep, expect yep. it to be drawn out like it yep. has. Yep. I think if a story is going to be strong, it's going to have a very a good point anyways. Yeah. So, yeah, I see what you mean there. Mm. It's it's an interesting <laughs> issue because um, uh, in a piece of fiction, you can be as creative as you can. But in a topic mm. like this, because it has such real world examples and, and previously, did that ever come in your mind when, you know, you mentioned that um, you went through a process where you were looking at the way the investigation was done. Uh, but you also said that, you know, when you were in the in the force, they, it was a different sort of procedure with these pr- sort of predators, right? With the online stuff, did that was that a real difficulty to try and see ways and, and methods and how people would do things? In that research, I guess, stage? No, it was easy. Really? Easy to find find information. Um, I spoke to a 16-year-old guy who walked me through everything while he was talking to me on the phone, um, explaining about proxy identities, proxy box. Mm-hmm. Um, he was able to find out where I was online last, which was, you know, like only 10 minutes before I spoke to him. And... He then got on Google Earth, came down the street that I was in, told me what the house looked like, went over to the backyard, told me what size it was and what was there and where the entrance and windows were. Mm. So it, him doing that and telling me about how a predator would find yeah. people and how they would be able to move around the internet without being traced and then for him to also tell me exactly where I was and what the place looked like, as if he'd been there. Mm. And then he Googled it, and because it had been sold within the last five years or bought um, by the people I was staying with, Mm. he had the floor plan. So it really gave me the creeps that that information, while I spoke to this 16-year-old kid, and he could give all that to me, and he did not break the law to find any of that out. And he was able to do it while he was online, while he was talking to me. Yeah. So, so, how did you get in contact with someone like that? Someone who can um, this kid? Yeah, um, was he was my friend's son. Friends, ah, oh, okay. So yeah. he just said, "Oh, you know, my son's into computers. Do you want to talk to him? He might know about that." <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, he certainly knew about it. Wealth of information. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and see that that's that brings up an interesting question as to when it comes to fiction, how far can you bend? Uh, the facts to create an interesting story. Mm. With this particular story, you said yourself, you were very keen on getting the facts right. Was there any time when you were like, well, you know, that doesn't flow as well or we might cut that bit out or anything like that or any of the... Well, the story is fiction, so it is not based on any particular real case. Um, Mm. I took the incident of young girls or, mm-hmm. or not even young girls lots of people meet people online and go mm-hmm. and meet them in person yeah so i just took that concept mm-hmm. and thought what is the worst case scenario here and that's where i took that story mm-hmm. um and i i spent a lot of time deciding before i started writing whose story is this and who's going to tell this story yeah. yeah and different points of view or just one person's point of view and to to make it the most realistic, I wanted it to be the girl left at home, and have that waiting and that mm. unknown, you know, the yeah. the unknown, because sometimes that's worse than knowing. Yep. Mm. Um, and if it was a in a real life case, that sitting around and waiting and calling your friends and to see where they are, are they going to come back? 
and what could have happened, that's it just would make people feel sick if mm. they were in that situation. And so I didn't want it to flash through so that the reader could see what had happened. Yeah. Because the character didn't have that character. luxury. Mm. Yeah. So that's why I did it that way. Mm-hmm. And so um, as a result, there's nothing explicit in that book. Yeah. Um, it's what's left unsaid, really, that that hits home. Mm-hmm. Luke, any comments? I was just going to ask... Um, was there any time during the writing and editing process that anyone had ever, ever stopped you and said, don't include this or don't say, don't write this? Or The only thing was um, nothing to do with the, with the online safety side of things. Mm-hmm. It was more things about writing for young adults that as a writer I didn't know I wasn't allowed to say. Mm-hmm. So my main character, Taylor, she wasn't in any way... Um, you know, too overweight or anything like that. But in her mind, she was. Yeah. And so she felt that she was fat because yeah. her friends were smaller than her. Yeah. But she wasn't. She was a normal-sized person. Um, it's just that she reached her adult size mm-hmm. before her friends did. And, But I wasn't allowed to say fat. Oh. So because it was um, body shaming and... But I wasn't meaning to do that. Yeah, exactly, I just didn't yeah. realise how I was putting that information forward, that mm. that could be interpreted that way. It's just that um, people are self-conscious mm. throughout that period of their life. Mm-hmm. And um, even even the ones who are size six or eight or you know any size, they're self-conscious at that age. Mm. And so that's the only point I was making with yeah. her feeling different to to her friend Sierra. So Taylor was a larger size than Sierra. Yeah. And Sierra was the one that she thought was perfect, yeah, you know, yeah. calendar girl sort of look. Yeah. Um, but hmm. in my mind, she wasn't, Taylor wasn't overweight yeah. either. She was just a normal size. And because that's often what people have when they have friends or whatever. They always look at somebody else and yeah. they say, well, he's, he's better looking than me or she's better looking than me or she looks better or she's thinner or whatever. Yeah. And that's a very human um stage to go through as and well. you see by by year 12 they've mm. all caught up yeah and they're all their much. adult size then yeah um but it's just those those ones who reach it earlier mm-hmm. have that so how was that reference do you mean um when the character is thinking about herself or when, when she was thinking about herself yeah, or when you're describing her as an author or you see it's actually in her own thoughts you weren't in her thoughts it's that politically she felt. incorrect to yeah. use the word ah, interesting wow. that's very censored that's actually that bit scary where our writing is going if if it's that sensitive. Did you did you feel that way? Did you feel that that was not, a bit of censorship? Not until they. Um, not really. I didn't. I didn't want my book to create issues that I didn't Problems. want it mm. that yeah. I yeah. didn't have in my mind. Yeah. yeah. Because um, you didn't want people to interpret something no, you didn't intend. Yeah, and um, and body image, and having a poor body image or promoting that that she has mm. is an issue. Of today, yeah. it's a bit because like it's a bit like how reporters, you know, they don't report suicides because they don't want people to to consider it. Even yes, yeah. Okay. But uh, wouldn't you say it's losing some of the authenticity because that is what people do think and say mm-hmm. to themselves yeah. constantly? So wouldn't it be losing yeah. flavor and reality? And she still impact? she still did the same thing. So she still yeah. went running and she still didn't feel great yeah. you know when she put her clothes on and things but like that. that word. But I was not I she went running to get fit. Yeah. She didn't go running to lose the weight. Do you know what mm, I mean? Yeah. So it was just shifting that focus. But it's still been picked up by some readers too. And um it's that's one one thing 
uh, that a few readers haven't liked that that character. Yeah, that that character mm. um, had He's a poor real. body image. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard so, to believe because that, yeah, that you want up. to be able to relate to a character, right? And if a character never ever considers themselves. Imperfect. Well, people have negative days sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, and some days you might feel great, and the next day you don't. You're on the dumps. Yeah. yeah. You, you, so, um, but it's yeah. That was just one thing that, and there was just yeah things like that. I didn't know about that until I um, was preparing that book to actually mm. go on the shelves for that that aged audience. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. I, and I think learning yeah. curve. And yeah, I can imagine that would have been because I, th- I think to a certain extent all. I think within the young adult gap, especially, you know, um, I guess there's a lot of unsaid rules that, you know, they're just not meant to meant to be, yeah. which is interesting to hear. I, yeah. I'm actually going to go out on a limb here and say that that's actually been a negative impact on my growing up because I've never had anyone else in any literature mm. or anything that I've read say that they feel fat. And so I think it's just me who feels that way. It's always oh. been me feeling Interesting. that way. Interesting. Yeah. So no one else has this issue. It's always just Everyone me, else right? Is confident. So I can't relate to anyone else thinking that. Of That's course, actually of really course I've learned otherwise. Point. I've learned otherwise since, obviously. But it's, it's actually a good point. Yeah. You grow up thinking it's only me afflicted by this. It's only me who's ever had this. <laughs> None of the characters like me, feel yeah. bad about themselves. They're all, you know, they're getting fit. That's fine. See, but yeah. <laughs> see, and I think this this goes into a completely different topic, where which is interesting anyway. But uh, and I guess we need a psychologist on it to, to, to talk about this idea. But it's the idea that if you are, if you feel uncomfortable about a certain topic, you know, most people tell you to confront that topic. You know, to often see mm. that topic and and to be able to deal with it. I think it's interesting, especially in our society where. It's almost the other way, you know. It it's cover very, it up. Yeah, yeah, we protect ourselves a lot, and but it's like an immune system, I guess. You know, when you protect your immune system from everything, and you never go out ever, and then when you do yeah, get you out, in a bubble. You, you get and when you have too many sick. white cells, that's not good for you. Yeah, and then eventually, Was you, that autoimmune. I can't recall yeah, exactly. Yeah, something like that. Autoimmune and then disease. you get and then you it's, get sick immediately. Yeah. So it, it's um, yeah, I guess people who who don't see that and then they go out and then they get immediately hurt. It's an interesting mm. topic. Yeah, yeah um, it is. And I don't think what, like censoring that out was wrong because of the reaction yeah. that, it, that it got. Yeah, and the fact that even, had. even yeah. yes, despite um, that, you've still got reactions to it, which yeah. is interesting. So I think if I had left that in... It would have been a big deal Yeah, and, um, and that, that would have taken away from the book. Yeah. Um, and we didn't want that... Yeah. That side of things, mm, yeah. and, and I think, and once a, they said it to me, I I could see too. That's a really good point as well. That you don't want something to take away from what. Yeah, you don't what want else, an issue where there's no where issue. there's no issue. Yeah. So yeah, um, and that that's a part of the editor and publisher's job too to to make sure that there's not because my focus was on other things, and mm, so if I've mm-hmm. accidentally curved something else mm. into the manuscript that I haven't meant to put in there, um because I'm not focused on that yeah. issue, then, you know, it's sort of protecting me and making the book not not be perceived in a way that it, that it's not intended. And controversial. That's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. So I think that it was the right thing yeah. that they did, even though I understand what you're saying mm. too. Yeah. Um, yeah I, but I'd for the sake yeah. of conversation, do you think it would have given more negative reviews, but also a lot of positive sort of, Outcome uh, as well. I don't know. I think it, when it controversy occurs, it often has a, a balance. I yeah. I, fe- I feel like that, but also like controversy. If it's a really really huge issue, 
like it's um very blatant like this the entire book is about it and that's one thing yeah. but if it's sort of how the character is would you think it would I be I think have both? you there's a book out called Dumplin have mm. you seen that and it's no. about a girl who is mm-hmm. overweight mm-hmm. and um she lives over in America and she decides to go in the town pageant mm-hmm. and um of course um she's she's not of the usual sized girls that go in it and mm-hmm. so it is exactly about this issue yep. that we're talking yep. about. Yep. And the reason that it works is because... It's about that issue. It's about that okay, issue yeah, and it's, it's discussed yeah. well. Yeah. Mm. It's done well. It's not said and then yeah, not said anymore. Yeah, because that, th- she was focused on those mm. things and she's balanced it perfectly. So, yes, she had times where she felt self-conscious. Mm-hmm. She felt overweight. But then she would have these um, great moments where she was like, no, I'm going to be myself and I'm not going to hide myself away and... You know those conf- that where she regains confidence mm-hmm. and yeah. and overcomes those negative thoughts, and because it's done well with a positive mm-hmm. result, I think. You know, like whereas mine wasn't, if those things had have been left in there, they weren't intentional and they weren't done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see what you're so saying. So I think any issue can be in any book for any age, yep. as long as it's done well, mm-hmm. um, and it's an intended. Yeah, an intended thing, mm-hmm. hmm. and that's where having a publisher and an editor just combing through. Focuses, yeah. yeah, because I wouldn't have thought twice, mm. and that would have gone out. And then if that had have been the issue, I'd have been going, "What?" Yeah, because that was book no wasn't issue. about that. Yeah. It was I wasn't making a point. That's a very mm-hmm. interesting thing, actually. Yeah. That's so yeah. Yeah. If, if I'm stretching this out too far, just just stop me. But um, <laughs> here, if for instance, I would never have picked up a book, personally anyway, so maybe other people would, which is directly aimed at that issue, mm. which which is all about this character dealing with that. I would never pick that up. I would always, like, the, the reason I brought it up is because when I'm reading a book that's, like, heroic or interesting or it's in a yep. different setting, I want to be, identify, be able to identify and find like reference to my own issues perhaps if that's what you can yes. say mm. uh in those characters yeah. instead of Which ones are directly just you know de- dealing with that and that alone mm-hmm. um yeah and that's that's i don't know maybe maybe it's maybe the government's right and we should be censoring or maybe was it just the publishing company or is it government yeah, no, censoring yeah no it was just my editor just, just um, editing yeah yeah who yep. um and i once she pointed mm. things out to me i actually agreed and yeah. mm-hmm. perhaps if you had read the manuscript before when it was in there, you would go, oh, yeah, I can see what they're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Mm. Um, so, yeah, because there's another one that just came to mind then, Shallow Hell. Do you remember that movie? Um, oh, it's a ring of Gwyneth, Gwyneth Paltrow's in it and she uh, she's she's an overweight girl. And hmm. Wait, how does she play that role? Yeah, she, <laughs> oh, that's right. And uh, what's George Costanza's real name? He's the actor. Oh, um, from Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, and I know who you're talking. About. I can't think of his his mm. name right now. So, and he um, suddenly only sees the inner beauty, and that's how he sees the physical form yep. of people. So, mm-hmm. um, that that show was about that issue as well, yep. and um, that inner beauty overcomes everything else mm-hmm. because in the end he sees her for who she really is physically, yeah. and he's still in love with her. So, um. It's that nice positive result at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting topic. I would continue with that um, topic. Yeah, we'd, we'd need to move on. But uh, <laughs> yeah, because um, I have, 
I'd like to keep asking questions yeah. about it and stuff because I think that's a very interesting subset of of focus and like how do you focus a book and what do you yeah. what do you emphasize and yeah. things like yeah. that. And I think that and how it goes through it. the publishing process yeah. and what what little things that could be useful or yeah. ironed out or, or what could in be or, hiccups for readers yeah. and what could yeah, be things that right. they find you know that doesn't serve the story as much. I was mm. glad that I had had a team helping. Yeah, with, definitely because um. I can see how you would come unstuck. Yeah, and and yeah, I think after going through it, and I think, and and we, I always tell this to people who self-publish and stuff. You know, if you do self-publish, get people on get, your yes. st- who will read your stuff that aren't quote unquote fans, but can give you constructive feedback yes. about mm. your work. They give you critical but constructive, and that's incredibly useful. Um, so a final final question, Flo, and that is about the narration itself. Um, it's from a sixteen-year-old. A fifteen-year-old um, 15 girl. Yes, um, and how how was that for you to write? Like, um, we've all been fifteen, obviously. Yeah. But going back and putting yourself in a mindset of because it's in this age, you know, it's in you know, did was that a challenge? Because you had the nieces as well. Was yeah, that a help? no, it, I didn't find it a challenge, and I just in my police and ambulance backgrounds, mm. I've dealt with a lot of people that have dealt with grief yeah. or traumatic mm. situations and what I've come to my own conclusion with dealing with these people human emotion is the same whether you're 15 or mm. whether you're 40 and it's just your setting yeah. that is different and your responsibilities that go along with it and whether you can cope mm. continuing to, to do those responsibilities so for her her, her setting is, is school amongst her friends, um, at home with her mum. So mm-hmm. it's those so it's putting her but the emotions are the same mm. and the yeah. thought processes. So I think I didn't even think about her being fifteen. I just wrote her yeah. as she was in those settings. Mm-hmm. And um and the parents as well that were in the book. Yeah. So and they were in their settings and how they coped with mm-hmm. what they had to do. So, and and seeing how that affects a family's dynamic and yeah. looking at Sierra's parents was like an incredibly well done piece of writing in that, if I may say so. Like it was just really interesting to see that because and because you, to a certain extent, don't focus on that becomes more interesting. Yeah, because like, that's because oh, it's through Taylor's eyes. Exactly. So she could only see mm. what, what she's allowed to what see. What she could see. Yeah. And um, it was hard to get everything across mm. without it... Um, Feeling like yeah, it had yeah. to feel natural that that's that's what happened at that time and that's yeah. how she saw it. And that uh, thinking like how we would see circumstances is sometimes the most difficult thing because you're looking at things and you don't know all the facts, you don't know all the information, and and a lot of this is about not knowing all the information. Yes, you're constantly just getting fed pieces and pieces, and now she makes her own. But Flirt, thank you very much for coming onto the podcast. It was fantastic to have you on. Thank you for having me. Very good discussions <laughs> and topics that were brought up. Um, we're wrapping up, ladies and gentlemen. So, Flirt, could you tell us where we could find you on social media, where we can find your book? Sure. My um, my Twitter and Instagram is at Fleur Ferris. Hmm. Um, on Facebook, you could follow me on author Fleur Ferris. And my website is com. Um, and my book's in all good bookstores. Fantastic. So, Random Luke? house goes everywhere. Yes. That's true. <laughs> Luke? 
Where uh, can people can, find you? What have you got coming up? Yeah, you still find me at the Soul Shard. That's on Twitter mm-hmm. or at uh, thesoulshardchronicles.com. Um, upcoming. That's a good thing. A uh, good, um, good um, question. Mm-hmm. Still on what do you call it? Sabbatical. Sabbatical. Still, still on a, a waiting period while I look through studies. So. Mm-hmm. Upcoming, nothing soon. I'm still waiting on art before I can put out my little collection, but uh, I haven't heard any word from that for a while, so mm-hmm. it could be a while. Man, artists, they're an interesting breed of human beings. <laughs> they are. Sometimes they disappear for a while. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes they're more talented than any of us. So <laughs> That's right. That's always jealousy. Um, for me, anyway. Uh, but as to what I'll be doing, ladies and gentlemen, that would be nothing that you can actually see. But when there is things out, you can find them... Uh, thepenofjoel.com, at the pen of Joel on Twitter, where, uh, again, I just talk about podcast guests and topics. Um, but if you're interested in that, please follow me there. As for The Morning Bell, you can find The Morning Bell, um, themorningbell.net. They have an upcoming issue that's meant to uh, be out at the end of the year, sometime in November. So we'll let you know as soon as we know uh, clearer details about that. Uh, as for the other social media links, it's all The Morning Bell on Facebook and Twitter, etc., etc. Thank you very much, and we'll see you in two weeks.